name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. What a beautiful day we celebrate the ascension of our Lord, God, and Savior, Jesus Christ, to again sit at the right hand of the Father on high. Um, we see this kind of movement of God in a really incredible way in the fact that uh, He has always been with the Father. In the grave with your body, in hell with your soul as God, in Paris with thief, on the throne with the Father and the Spirit, you're unbounded and you fill all things. But this is a, a unique moment, and we'll talk a little bit about why it's so unique that now he sits at the right hand of the Father. So this beautiful account of the apostles, uh, the angels surrounding this, uh, uh, the, the glory of God kind of shining in a way that it's never shown before. So let's look at a few aspects of this great feast. Uh, first, from the standpoint of the angels. The angels felt first that his birth was strange. How could the Son of God be contained in the womb of the virgin? How can the uncontainable become contained? How did that happen? Then the, the, the power they saw at the resurrection where death was completely overcome by the very power of God. So the angels are, are amazed here. And now they stand in wonder at the ascension. That they're wondering about something very unique that's happened that has never happened before. Humanity sits next to the Father. Humanity. This is the wonder. Because, of course, the Son of God, the per second person of the Trinity, has always been with the Father. But not in His humanity, been with the Father in this way at the throne. So this is the wonder that they feel. You know, we say something at Pascha, and this makes more sense, I think, even here. Lift up, you gates, O ye princes. Be ye lifted up your everlasting gates, and the King of glory shall enter in. Who is the King of glory? Lift up ye gates, O ye princes. Be ye lifted up o your everlasting gates, and the King of glory shall enter in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Today, the gates of heaven open for the Son of God. And those gates, beloved, when you hear read the hymns, you know what those gates are? Those are the angels. They're not like physical gates. They're the angels that, that, that are glorying in this idea that the Son of God is at the throne in His humanity with the Father. So lift up ye gates, O ye princes, be ye lift up your lasting gates, and the King of glory shall enter in. So we proclaim that with great joy today. Uh, in the hymns it says something really exciting to me. It says, He was taken up on the shoulders of the cherubim. He was escorted to heaven by the cherubim. You know what else was escorted? There's, it was prefigured in the Old Testament. You know what else was escorted to heaven? You know this. Who went to heaven on a chariot? Elijah. You know what the chariot was? Angels. When you see the iconography of that, it's a chariot, but you see, if you look closely at it, it's angels. It's angels carrying Elijah to heaven. So they come. 
maybe the same ones. Can you imagine being a cherubim and taking Elijah up? And about, what would it be? About 3,000 years later, you take the Son of God up. Wow. Must have been an exciting day for cherubim that day. The disciples stood awestruck, says in the hymnody. Awestruck. They were, they were sad in some ways because Christ was leaving them. They, this whole time must have been very confusing to them. Because first, they were so perplexed that he died. That was, was still mind-boggling to them. So perplexed that they, they stood in fear. They went and hid. And the Lord comes back and teaches them for 40 days. These 40 days, you know, I, I say this, uh, I think this quite a bit about this. If you were to choose a time you could be a disciple, this would be a great time. 40 days with the Lord, eating, being taught the scriptures, open the Old Testament scriptures to you. This is me. This was me. You know that, 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 voice from the, that voice from heaven that came down to Moses, that was me. That was me. Must have been a, a thrilling time. But then the, the kind of disappointment in a sense of now he's leaving them. But he says, don't, don't you fret because I'm sending now the Holy Spirit to be your helper. And we'll get to that in a minute. So they're awestruck. And again, a bit confused. All of this when you, when you look at the life of the disciples up until Pentecost, it's kind of a, a confusing and a sad time. There's not a lot of power being demonstrated among the disciples at all during this time until the Holy Spirit comes. And we'll talk a little bit about what happens there. And then we see three mountains. Mount Sinai, where God gave the law. Mount Tabor, where he was transfigured. And now... Mount of Olives, where he is ascending into heaven, always from a high place. You know, the church teaches that, you know, for us to ascend, we, we need to make efforts to ascend, to move to places of glory. It's not just that God comes to give us grace, that we make effort to ascend. And that becomes something really critical for us to understand, that, it's, that mountains are uh, kind of symbols for us of effort. So may our effort be met by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see this coming together of three feasts, the resurrection, the ascension, and now Pentecost upcoming. We see the resurrection raised Adam from death and corruption and renewed human nature. A powerful time for us to see that, that, that the two big enemies of mankind, death and corruption, are now overcome by Christ at the resurrection. Is renewed humanity. He's actually renewed creation. But then we see ascension. We see something again unique and powerful that humanity now sits in a place that's never sat next to the Father. Next to the Father. So this becomes a real powerful place for us, and we'll talk a little bit about what that applies, how that applies to us. So humanity is in heaven. The race of man is exalted. Uh, you know, we sing 
It says in the scriptures that man was created a little lower than the angels. You know now when humanity sits at the right hand of the Father, you know what we say about that? More honorable than the cherubim, more glorious beyond compare than the seraphim. That's We say that about the mother of God. Why? Because her humanity is in heaven. Her humanity has been elevated. The race of man is exalted through the ascension of Christ. And so we, we see this, this potential of mankind beginning to be, uh, be, beginning to be uh, shown to us by God. And then we see the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost where the, we're ignited with divine power. And that becomes then the whole beginning of, or in a sense, the end, the culmination of all these events. Resurrection, Ascension, Pentecost. There's a movement of God in this. A movement of overcoming the corruption and death of mankind. The moving of mankind to the heavenlies. And now empowering man to live the Christian life. This is the effort that God makes for us. And so what is this to us? I mean, we talk a little bit about these things, but for us today, what's it mean? First, we should be overwhelmingly thankful. Overwhelmed. We're fallen human beings. We have no right, no place in the heavenly places. No place. But what did God do in his grace and mercy? He took us there. He made a place for us. Unworthy as we are, he made a place in heaven for us. It should just overwhelm us continually. It should never, we should never be, we should never take it for granted. Well, I'm a Christian, I come to church, I take my communion, I do my confession. But am I really, am I really engaging this reality? That I am no longer just an earthly creature, but I have been given divine energy, divine grace to sit in the heavens with the angels and the saints. Let it sink in. This is a powerful thing for us to, to comprehend and to grasp. It should change life for us. It should transform us, transform what we think about, what we worry about. What we struggle with. And the fact that we want to be in a place where we struggle for that spot. Because, you know, for us, we understand that we are being saved. It's not an automatic place. We struggle for that place. We make our personal effort for that place. So thanksgiving and, and, and along with that, our, our effort, our simple effort, that, that can meet that grace that God gives to us. And finally, and most importantly, as we begin to enter the Eucharistic uh, feast, that we should praise God. We should praise Him for His work. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him for His excellent greatness. We say these things, and here we sit in this moment where He's put us in heaven. We should just be, we, it should overwhelm us. And I know it doesn't. I <laughs> know you're struggling with this. It doesn't overwhelm us. It should overwhelm us. It should change everything. You know when the disciples got it? 
it completely changed them. When they got it, it completely changed them. They were, they were on the road and uh, ready to take the gospel to, to the far ends of the world without, uh, without any uh, thought about their own life. That's how, that's how it transformed them. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day and that the importance of, of learning the Christian, the Christian needs to be radical. If we're not ready to be radical about life and about the things of Christianity, are we really stepping into the depth of the faith? Radical. Radical about it. It's, a, it's an interesting word. But, but I think that we need to, uh, with understanding all that he has done for us, the simple efforts we can make to attain to these things, God help us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.